episode 135 for April 2011. The Spider-Man Crawl Space Podcast is sponsored by MailOrderComics.com. They have discounts that start at 38th and they go up to 75% off the cover price of new comics and trades. An example for this episode is on Venom number 4. In this issue, that has the long-awaited grudge match between Venom and Spider-Man. The cover price, $2.99. Mail order has it for just a buck eighty-five. So check them out at MailOrderComics.com. Alright, this month in Spider History, we're traveling back to April 1985. Thank you to SamRuby.com for helping us with this segment. JR, the Web of Spider-Man number one came out. you remember this one? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, for those of us, uh, for those of you who may not remember those halcyon days of the mid-80s, uh, Web of Spider-Man was actually a replacement for the first volume of Marvel Team-Up. Mm-hmm. Uh, after issue 150, Marvel Team-Up had been canceled, and since it was a Spider-Man, sort of a Spider-Man title anyway, uh, they just replaced it with a, a third monthly Spider-Man title, Web of Spider-Man number one, and it kicked off with a, a big story. Um, the uh, symbiote comes back and tries to permanently bond with Peter Parker, and he tries to... He struggles to try to get to the Baxter building so that uh, Reed Richards can remove the symbiote. And thanks to the assistance of the Vulturians, um, a bunch of vulture knockoffs, he's able to make it to the uh, to the infamous church. And the the, the bells drive the uh, drive the symbiote off of him. However, uh, he's uh, been rendered unconscious by the by the sound of the bells. And before his brain turns to mush, the symbiote actually comes back. And drags him downstairs, saving his life before it crumbles into dust. And that was the end of the symbiote, right? You right? would think. You would think. <laughs> well, we all we all know what happened next. But uh, that was that was Web of Spider-Man uh, number one. Really so, started uh, off strong, I thought. Started off started off with a bang, a major event, uh, and then it kind of just wandered uh, for oh the next 122 issues. <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah, that one that it started off bang. So it it Webb also had a lot of different writers. Like I I didn't realize Louise Louise Simonson wrote this one. The title is called Till Death Do Us Part. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think everybody wound up writing Web of Spider-Man. David David Michelini wrote several issues. I didn't uh, say that because he wrote, I think it was Web 15, where a hand pushes Peter in front of the subway and it doesn't set off his spider 18. Or 18. Okay. And Peter David wrote several issues. Um, so My run was but, fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Everybody had their hands in it, but it never really had, I don't, I don't think it ever really had a consistent creative team. And, uh, and and it, and it really suffered as a result. Alex Savick so was, was the only constant in that book, I thought. Yeah. However, the cover of Web Number One is one of my all-time favorites. That, that cover by Charles Vess is beautiful. Wouldn't it you? is. It's a very good cover. Yes, love that thing. Also, what came out this month? Amazing Spider-Man Number Two Sixty-Three. Uh, the title is called "The Spectacular Spider Kid." Written by Tom DeFalco, art by Ron Friends. This one has the first appearance of Normie Osborne, Harry's son. What do you think of this one, Jr.? Uh, yes, and uh, even though I went back and reread the issue and and looked at all the scenes that had windows in them, I did not see the Green Goblin uh, hanging out. 
<laughs> any, at any time. So I just must have mi- I, uh, I missed that one. Uh, this is a cute story uh, done by our, our good old friend Tom DeFalco, uh, Mr. Consistent. And uh, you were, I'm sure most of you all remember Ali Osnick, uh, who uh, he had made his debut back in Spectacular Spider-Man when he was uh, uh, in the midst of a hero worship of Doc Ock and uh, created the four mechanical arms, and Spider-Man kind of set him straight, and so now Ollie is determined to use his his tentacle, his powers for, for good. He dresses up as a rather, uh, shall we say, uh, verti- uh, horizontally challenged uh, Spider-Man and uses the extra four limbs and becomes the spectacular Spider-Kid, um, which doesn't really go too well uh for Ollie and uh he uh finally deci- he decides to give it up at the end but uh ba- running through the story there's uh basically this cute girl uh Jane Lane uh who sticks <laughs> up for him uh with uh, against a bully and uh, of course Ollie is immediately smitten and then um, later in the story when Jane comes looking for him and recognizes him as the spectacular spider kid because she uh, recognizes his unmistakable shape uh <laughs> RE he was you know he's fat um the uh, muggers who uh Ollie had uh, interrupted a mugging earlier and they come back looking for a pound of flesh and and Ollie gets Jane behind him and basically says that he'll go down you know he'll protect her no matter what um and uh, of course, Spider-Man saves the day. Uh, and uh, Jane falls for Ollie. Spider-Man comes to the the high school where Ollie's at, uh, and um, calls it. And uh, they they apologizes for uh, a conversation they had earlier. Uh, and he's now the Ollie's now the big man on campus. So yeah. it was a uh, nice little cute story. So. What did What did you think about this time, Jr. That uh, Felicia made Spider-Man a cloth black costume. And he also had the red because around this time he kept alternating costumes: red, black, red, black, red, black. Yeah, yeah, and it's kind of funny because the mm-hmm. uh, the next issue we're going to discuss, Spectacular 101. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's in the the covers in the black costume, but the story he's in the red and blues. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think it was. I I don't know. I think Marvel was trying to you know have its cake and eat it too a little bit. The black costume had been a lot more popular, I thought. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they were. You know, but a lot of people didn't like it, you know, so they were, they were, you know, found a way to include it uh, in the stories again by having the black cat make, uh, make a costume for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, so it was just, they were, they were just trying to, I guess, play both ends against the middle. Yeah. The other Spider-Man issue that came out this month is Spectac- Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man number 101, a uh, title called Echoes and another outstanding cover by John Byrne. On yeah. this one, this one is a black and white suited Spider-Man with a black and white background of the buildings. This is just an iconic cover, in my opinion. I just yeah, love definitely. Carrie Burkett, who I've never heard of, and Juan Alazantara on art. I I have no idea what the story is, but I remember the cover. <laughs> it has backlash yeah. in it, evidently. Well, no, 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 not backlash. Uh-huh. Blacklash. Blacklash, okay. Blacklash. And lest you think that this is revisiting 70s black exploitation a la William Marshall as Blackula, mm-hmm. uh, no, Blacklash is a white dude. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> 
This is a fill-in story. Um, in fact, we've, I think we've discussed uh, Mr. Burkett's uh, – I think he did another fill-in issue somewhere. Uh, this was a transition between Al Milgram. Al Milgram had taken over for Bill Mantlo. Um, I think Milgram was the artist during Mantlo's second run on Spectacular. And then around issue 90 or so, I think Milgram started uh, writing the stories as well. Uh, Spectacular 100 was the famous breakup between Spider-Man and the Black Cat. And I believe, I'm not sure if it was 102 or 103, but anyway, uh, very soon Peter David uh, was about to take over Spectacular for for his his fairly famous run on that title. So this was a transition issue. Um, It's it's one of those, uh, I think we have a question on the message board about Spider-Man's, what was our favorite Spider-Man guilt issue. Uh, This has got guilt all over it. He's a few days before Gwen's birthday. You know, he's swinging around town, and guess where he winds up accidentally? Yeah, at the bridge. On the bridge, yeah. Yeah, you know, and... (laughs) And so, you know, and, and it's, you know, it, in a way it's a take on Bertone's uh, floating heads of guild, except the only floating head is Gwen. And there's a lot of floating Gwen heads in this story. <laughs> uh, basically, Blacklash. Uh, <laughs> Who was is, seen in uh, Iron Man 2? No, that was Whiplash. Uh, it's the same I think, character. I same think. character, it's pretty much, yeah. Oh, it is? Yeah. <laughs> So what? The NCAA, uh, NCAACP complained about him calling himself Blacklash, so he changed it to Whiplash. I, I don't know. Just, just you know, think it was of like, uh, you know, dude, dude, you know, you're not black, you know, so you shouldn't call yourself Blacklash. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, anyway, he's a fairly pedestrian story. Blacklash, black. What you know when a guy by the name of Blacklash shows up, the story can't be taken seriously. No, no. Uh, so he's he's comes to some magic power is a big whip. <laughs> <laughs> Big whip, yeah, and 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 nunchuck. I think he's got nunchucks too. Mm. Uh, he he breaks into this company to steal a computer prototype, gets interrupted, takes some guy's wife hostage, <laughs> and naturally she happens to be a blonde. So okay. as Spidey's getting his ass kicked, you know, and uh, and and he's thinking, oh God, I'm gonna fail her just like I failed Gwen, uh, and. Well, of course, you know, everything turns all out all right in the end. Spider-Man saves the day, and uh, the issue has him going and putting some flowers on Gwen's grave. So, I mean, it wasn't... It wasn't bad, but I mean, as you can tell, it was just one of those... It was it was pretty forgettable. Not offensive, but forgettable. Okay. Was this a good month? Uh, well, yeah, kind of. Um, you know, like I said, Webb kicked off with, uh, like I said, a you know, a pretty significant event. And then, uh, you know, Tom DeFalco, uh, is, you can, he's pretty dependable, uh, and, uh, he delivered a really cute story here. So definitely, and, and even though Spectacular Story isn't that good, uh, it's worth going back for the back issue, Ben, to get that cover. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, this is, uh, I mean, yeah, if you're rummaging through the back issue, Ben, uh, this, this month in 19, this month in Spider History, <laughs> uh, is, uh, is definitely worth your time. And that cover, I go to John Byrne's website every now and then. He does commissions and he does reinterpretations of that cover all the time. Since that cover. Yeah. Uh, I had a quick comment to make. Sorry, mm-hmm. Brad. No problem. Um, the, that, that cover, I remember back when the Spider-Man message board was, you know, cool. Um, on comic boards, mm-hmm. they actually would do tournaments, uh, you know, best story, best cover, and, and w- that actually won the Spectacular Spider-Man tournament. Um, oh, you mean the best cover of all of spec- Spider-Man? Of all of the entire run of Spectacular Spider-Man. Wow. Now, the amazing cover was naturally J.R., probably J.R.'s favorite cover is uh, 
grin, the grinning gargoyle himself, Green Goblin with uh, is he Dragon Spider Man on a rope? He's Dragon Spider Man on a rope. Uh, was that thirty nine or forty? Which one was that one? Thirty nine. Thirty nine. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. We should probably play that game. Our favorite Spider cover. All right, uh, let's go to recommendations. Uh, let's see, Kevin, you haven't done recommendations in a couple months. What do you like this month, sir? Um, well, out of reading a lot of plays since I've been here and watching a lot of movies, the thing that's made the biggest impression has been Angels in America. Um, both the the play, the original script, and the HBO miniseries it was six hours long, starring Al Pacino, Meryl Streep bunch of other people um very 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 good play and film um if you're a liberal i think (laughs) um i don't think conservatives would enjoy it all that much uh so if you're socially conservative especially go ahead and stay away uh if if you're not it's a really entertaining uh piece of fiction so i would recommend that okay okay explain hello Sapphire's taking a shower. <laughs> I don't know where he's. This is. I don't know. This is uh, what happens when you have a roommate. All right. Oh, yeah. Uh, Sorry about that. What's up? No problem. Any other recommendations? Um, I was trying to think, and I feel like I have others, but uh, I can't. No, I can't come up with them right now. Stella, what do you like this month? Stella, what do you like this month? Sorry, I mute. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah, for my book and my movie, I am recommending both Jane Eyre uh, on both mm-hmm. accounts, Jane Eyre by Charlotte Bronte. I'm pretty sure I recommended it before because it's one of my, or it is really my favorite um, novel piece of literature. So I won't go into what it's about, but I just saw the movie last evening with my English colleague, and uh, it was it was wonderful. So I do Ooh, heartily English recommend colleague. that. Zach, what? Zach. <laughs> what I so thought I was strange. on mute. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you didn't. <laughs> uh, very odd. Anyway, um, and I too have now started using Netflix via oh. my PS3. Oh my well, gosh! You know, free trial. <laughs> Took mine. I only had one. <laughs> Oh no! Well, you recommended oh, okay. it last month. I did. So I thought, oh, yeah, I well thought done. you would not uh, do that. But okay. no, it is worthwhile. There are some movies that I really wanted to see, but you know, it, it's annoying when it says DVD only. So, but Does what yours can you lock do? up every now and then? Lock up. Like when um, you're, you're like browsing Netflix and you and it just locks up a little bit. Oh yeah, but I think I'll that's just that. the internet, isn't it? No, or, I meant the Netflix program freezes up a little bit. Yeah. So I have to reboot my PS3. Oh, that's not happened to me. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, that's good to know. <laughs> I'm the only one. It's you. It's me. Yeah. How okay, you, I think that's, yeah. What are you watching on Netflix? Any uh, TV shows or anything that you enjoy? Um, well, I put in, I have a couple of students that are obsessed with The Office, and they keep telling me to watch it. And one of them actually let me borrow a, she just kind of brought in um, the first season, and I watched it and gave it back to her. So I, I had watched some of that, and then just seeing movies that, you know, I've I've not seen before, like Young Victoria was actually a really good period piece. Mm-hmm. Um, and tonight I'm going to watch Born on the Fourth of July with Tom Cruise oh. about the Vietnam War. So I'm, I'm just excited about seeing movies that um, in other – I would have had to have found some sort of video store, which yeah. those are hard to come by and paid a lot of money, but now I can get them right. for free. 
through the yeah this month. But cool. yep. Uh, Gr, what do you like this month? Have you taken Spencer out to see any movies? Uh, well, we we took him out to see. Uh, I, I took him out to see the second Diary of a Wimpy Kid movie. Mm. Um, I don't know whether I recommend. I mean, I was I was thoroughly amused by it, but it's. Uh, but uh, I don't think we have a whole lot of, of third and fourth graders uh, listening to the show. <laughs> I mean, and that's God, and that's who it, That's <laughs> what it appeals to, and and uh, you know, it, it, I mean, it, it does. It, it's, it it services its target audience. He loved it. Uh, but what I was going to recommend actually was uh, High School Musicals, uh, and uh, not uh, not that crap starring Zach. On, uh, but uh, <laughs> this this weekend, uh, my daughter was uh, she was the high school is putting on uh, Les Miserables, and uh, <laughs> Les Miserables. <laughs> Les Miserables. Oh, uh, that bless is you. Also not correct. Uh, uh, <laughs> oh, excuse me, excuse me, Kevin. What is okay, the correct term? We're going Mr. to three terms. It's Les Miserables. Oh. Good grief. Speederman. Speederman crawl space. Go ahead. Per, 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 pronunciation issues aside, uh, <laughs> I, you know, my, my, actually my daughter, my daughter was in it. She's, uh, she was in the chorus and, uh, so she was in it throughout playing various different roles and stuff. And, uh, you know, she was a, a, a prostitute in one, uh, like the <laughs> And she said, "Hey, Dad, was I a good whore?" And I said, "Rachel, you do a very, you are a very effective cheap vulgar slut." Um, and uh, and uh, and she, she well, that's, that's exactly the response she was looking for, though. Um, you know. And then there's another. She she actually um, she actually fights with Fantine in the show, and she says, "I make I make a good bitch, don't I?" I said, "Just like your mother." Oh, uh, and uh, but you know, I. It was hard for me to sit through. I was doing a lot of squirming. I mean, you yeah. know, it's it's a long musical. Um, eighteen. The, the first act has eighteen songs. So and so and, and of course Spencer just absolutely hated it. But some, I mean, Spencer. some of these kids are really talented. Yeah. And you know, I mean, even though I am not an artsy person, uh, I can still go in and appreciate um, the effort, the discipline, and the talent that it takes to do something like this. And um, I, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if I can say I, I enjoyed it. I mean, because like I said, I was, you know, my my butt gets pretty soft after a couple hours. Uh, but wow. um, but no, I mean, really, I mean, if uh, you That's know, that's what she said. No, she's not. She doesn't complain about my. She doesn't complain about my soft butt. She complains about another part that goes soft. Uh, but uh, but uh, you know, it's. I mean, it's it's cheap entertainment, uh, and uh, you you know, I mean, it's not a bad way to spend a Friday night, uh, and uh, you can see some really talented kids. So you know, if you have a chance, uh, and there's there is, I mean, this is the season, the spring season. And there's a high school musical going on. Uh, you, you could do a lot worse by taking a chance on that. Mr. Bailey, what do you like, sir? There's a duty I must heed. There is a promise I have made. For I was blind <laughs> to one in need. Oh my. I could not see what stood before me. <laughs> Everyone turn your headphones down. Good Lord. Now her mother is with God. Umpteen suffering is over. 
and ice. I'm gonna go write. I'm gonna go write a negative review about this show. Hold on. <laughs> That's what killed vaudeville. Oh boy. <laughs> Uh, Damn it, y'all don't have a choice. Uh, <laughs> two, what do you like, Bailey, besides your vocals? Sorry. I'm actually sitting here thinking that's not that bad. I was, I was duly impressed, Mr. Bailey, as a former as a former vocal major. I, uh, I applaud you. Did a crap load of musicals in high school. Um, <laughs> um, TV shows, Being Human, yeah. uh, the, the U.S. version, and... Uh, Please, people, stop telling me that the UK version's better. That's all well and good. That's not the one I'm talking about. Uh, <laughs> the season just wrapped up, and it ended on a very, very satisfying note. Uh, there was a scene. It was either in the second to last episode of the season or the last episode of the season that I'd been waiting the entire freaking season to see um, of the ghost's ex uh, fiance finally getting what fucking came, was just coming to him, really, because <laughs> he was a bastard. Um, but it was a really good show. I was really impressed with uh, Sam Witwer, who was uh, Doomsday on Smallville, uh, as as Aiden, the the uh, Kevin Cushing, I mean the vampire. <laughs> <laughs> Sam Huntington is just hysterical in this show as the werewolf. His comic timing is freaking amazing. So. Uh, I would recommend that. I am, uh, I'm gonna, this is where I get to tell Kevin that he was right. Uh oh. Uh, which I think he's been waiting all day for. I am going to recommend Grounded, the story going on in Superman right now. Now I, 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 I say that after only reading four parts of it. But. I've read still. <laughs> while, uh, while I don't really like the setup, like the the whole idea behind the story and what led him to go on his walkabout, I have to say that the writing has been spectacular so far. The artwork uh, has been really good. This is a Superman that I really want to read about. And seven oh, uh, let's see, seven oh three. The opening sequence is now one in my top ten list of favorite Superman moments ever, where he is just dangling this complete and utter douchebag high in the air and basically saying, okay, you're going to leave this woman alone, right? You're not going to go to (laughs) – you're not going to fondle her through her waitress's uniform. Uh, no. Well, well, that's kind of moot because you're never going to see her or go anywhere near her again. I just like the idea (laughs) of Superman kind of acting like a badass like that. Not all the time. (laughs) Superman's not for that. But for this one case, this, (laughs) this guy had it freaking coming. Uh, and it led to a really cool exchange between him and the Dick Grayson Batman. Um, at least I think that's Dick Grayson in there. It is. That was one oh. of my biggest quibbles, too, was you could hardly tell. Uh, yeah, where uh, where he goes, well, how are we going to be good cop, bad cop? And Superman goes, well, we could bad cop, psycho cop. So, <laughs> so I, I, I have to say I'm enjoying it thus far. And my other comic book recommendation is Reign of Doomsday. Uh, the Justice League issue is kind of, you know, you could take it or leave it, really, uh, because it has it has as much to do with the storyline going on in Justice League of America right now. But in terms of bringing Doomsday back, this is the first time since I would say 
the Doomsday Wars back in like uh, 2000 or so, or maybe even earlier than that. That Doomsday has been brought back, and I haven't gone. Oh Jesus, Doomsday's back! How many times are you going to bring him back? Because he's the, there's a mystery going on, and all it's really doing is getting all of the reign of the Superman characters together with Doomsday, and it's been a very satisfying read thus far. I haven't read the Superboy part part of it because I just got it, but uh, yeah, I, I have to say if you if you're a fan of Reign of the Superman and the whole Death of Superman epic storyline, I would definitely pick this up because so far it's been a lot of fun. Cool. Mr. Zach, what do you think? Well, um, my first recommendation is going to be uh, Jim Shooter's website, jimshooter.com. Mm, good call. Uh, he just started this up, and it really hasn't talked a whole lot. I mean, he's talked about his early days of Marvel. Um particularly when he first started at Marvel, uh, kind of goes into how he became editor-in-chief. Doesn't really talk about his tenure as editor-in-chief. But um, kind of uh, kind of an interesting jaunt. There's, there's, there's about there's, uh, 31 blog posts. It's, not been, it's only been up since, since March. But it's been, it's been very, very amusing to, to, to read, uh, particularly about, about uh, when he's 13 years old and writing, writing Legion of Superheroes and... <laughs> and he's got this guy calling every single day to uh, breathe down his neck, <laughs> the editor, and how how the editor treat. It kind of comes off as an asshole. Not gonna lie. Um, I like when he talked about secret wars. That, yes, because War, the words rest- secret and wars uh, had good ratings with kids, so that's why they called it secret wars <laughs> <laughs> from the toy company. That's the only reason. <laughs> Um, well, you all, my, my other favorite story is um, talking about the 25th, 25th anniversary party. In typical Stanley fashion, you know, yeah. Stanley throws his hands up in the air and he cracks. So he has a wine glass in his hand, cracks the wine glass, and cuts his hand open. So he's holding his, he's still talking and holding, <laughs> holding on to, is wrapping his hand in a handkerchief, possibly going into shock. And in walks Kirby. Well, that's what initiated the the glass. He was shocked to see Kirby at the 25th Marvel. Reunion. Yeah, in walks in Kirby, and they had a, they had a conversation. And Shooter talks about how he had, you know, had interacted with Kirby, and and uh, so that was that was that was a good one. Um, what was the other one that I? <sighs> oh, <laughs> talks about the uh, Spider-Man musical that might have been. Yeah. Uh, just a lot of really good stuff. I was reading through the March Post today. Discovered it this morning. I don't even remember where I found it at, uh, but it was very amusing. Um, I will recommend uh, Michael Bailey's views from the lawn box. Uh, always a good, consistent listen, no matter what he's talking about. Half the time I don't exactly know, but he explains it well enough to where I get it. Um, I, I would agree with that. Yeah. Um, but I also am going to recommend Amazing Spider-Man Classics. Not because I'm going to be sharing a hotel room with these three other dudes in San Diego, but it is a very entertaining show. and. Some guy named Brad is on the, the latest <laughs> episode, so we'll, you'll, you'll have to give it a listen. And I, JR has been on there, too. So I got to review the uh, the first appearance of Mary Jane, so that was fun. And JR, you were on the Goblin episode, I think, right? Uh, yeah, I've, I've been on a couple of uh, Goblin-themed They're episodes. Fun. All right, my recommendations. Uh, Stella alluded to it earlier, Netflix. I'm, I downloaded it, and I've got the first month free, and I enjoyed it so much. I'm now a loyal subscriber um in my instant queue i'm going to recommend 
Uh, the Twilight Zone. Every episode of The Twilight Zone is available for download on Netflix, and I'm going through them. Uh, JR, you seem like you'd enjoy The Twilight Zone. You like that show? Uh, you're talking about the original one with Burton Sterling, the original yep, black and white? the original black and white. Yeah, I've I've seen most of them. I mean, over the years, I mean, you know, sci-fi I think has a Twilight Zone every New Year's uh, New Year's Day. Uh, Erling, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's amazing. Erling has described the series. He said one third one third of the episodes were crap, one were average, and the other third were pretty damn good. Yeah. And I think that pretty well sums it up. But it's pretty much any show. <laughs> yeah. But what's amazing about Twilight Zone is is one you all these all these plots you've seen you know done over again a lot of times that's where they were done first yeah. and it's also just a for seeing actors when they were younger I mm-hmm. mean virtually virtually everybody in what I on that show and uh, but yeah definitely that's uh, you know that's the Twilight Zone is definitely yeah. one of the uh, I've been watching uh, also Cheers. I like Cheers a lot. They have 275 episodes of Cheers available. My goal is to hear every Normism. I love Norm. You kind of of remind me of Norm. Well, thank you. So, Brad, can I ask you a quick question? Are you now worried that there's going to be an apocalypse and you're going to sit down to watch all those Twilight Zone episodes and suddenly the generator goes out and you start crying because there was time. There was time enough at last. See, I don't wear eyeglasses, so So I'm not worried about that. I'm more worried about my dolls like Talking Tina coming to life. Remember that episode or the Shatner one where there was something on the wing? Also, if... Uh, Michael is a fan of this. Almost all the Hulk episodes are online now, too. The Incredible Hulk from the 70s show. So I think all except season five is online. Yeah, okay. but that's probably for the best. <laughs> okay, I also want to make one more recommendation, Brad. Okay. I know, I know it's not my turn anymore, but uh, Death of Ultimate Spider-Man. I have not read the miniseries that Mark Millar does because I refuse to support anything Mark Millar does anymore. But... The two issues with Bagley and Bendis, it's like it's like five years ago again, and it makes me smile. Yeah, um, it's okay. Really good. Uh, I okay. I'm I'm sorry. I was not I was naive enough to think they're not going to really kill Spider Man. Now I think, holy crap, they just might. Um, you know who I think they're going to kill? Captain America. When you say the death of Spider Man, I think they're going to either kill Aunt May or Mary Jane. Honestly, they they're not going to kill the main character. Yeah, you know because Bendis if you might... kill if you kill either one of those two, he, he's pretty much dead. Well, and uh, you, well, he's a I, I, character. I, I could I could argue that you um, could <clears throat> let me be pretentious and come up with this wild cockamamie theory that uh, will never ever come true. But hey, I'm going to present it as fact. The uh, what I could see potentially see happening: they kill off Peter Parker, and then you've got uh, Spider Woman, who is the clone. Uh, Coming in and, and all the hijinks that would ensue. Oh, good lord. I'm good. All right. Let's uh, get the message board questions. Let me pull up them. Our first one from Venomaniac. Uh, location over there. Kevin, if you were hired to script a Morbius movie, what storyline would you adapt if is making a strong Morbius movie even realistic? Uh, it is realistic. And I actually... Several years ago now, came up with a storyline for a Morbius movie trilogy, nice. um, which I think could easily be done. A lot of it was adapted from 
the '90s Morbius: The Living Vampire series. Um, but I think you can play a lot through the trilogy with the whole uh, possession by demon blood thing. Um, the way I wrote it had, or not wrote it, well, I started to write it, but the way I had it plotted out had Vic Slaughter being the um, the villain of the first one. Um, but with, uh, I brought over a villain from Night Stalkers, actually called Bloodstorm, who I always thought was interesting but not developed enough. He was just, he was a clone of Dracula. Um, so I had Bloodstorm kind of pulling the strings in the first one to become the real villain in the second one. And as of the second one, Morbius is getting really possessed by, uh, this demon. And then the third one then would be when he exercises said demon, Bloodthirst, and that's the villain of the third one. And, uh, but yeah, I had a I had a trilogy of movies pretty much plotted out that I thought would work. So yes, you could absolutely nice. do it. What do you think is Morbius in the comic strip daily? Um, I'm curious where he's going with it. Spider Man's uh, sleeping a lot in this one, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, I noticed there were like, there have been two or three where hmm, I'm like I just posted all this week, and I think he's asleep all week long. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like the 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 weirdest part of the current. Uh, newspaper strip one is what the hell history are we referencing where he's not a human vampire anymore? <laughs> and he always says human vampire rather than living vampire. And I also thought it was kind of fun mm. how the weekend colorist is the only one that seems to know that there's red in Morbius's costume. <laughs> Weekdays, it's all this, black. This is going off topic a little bit, but I wish the sound effect of whoever writes it would put thwip instead of thwip with an F. <laughs> it's T-H- not F-W-H. It just annoys me every time. Uh, Stella, which mythological hero uh, is, that is closest in personality to Spider-Man? Uh, probably Aeneas, just because Aeneas is not kind of the storybook hero, not the you know the picture-perfect one. He has his own flaws, and I think Spider-Man is also like that. Okay. And he's very emotional as well, and I think Spider-Man does cry, cry often. Uh, Bailey, what is the strongest way to get comics accepted in the mainstream culture? Is it even possible? I think we're seeing that right now. I mean, mm-hmm. when when you go, you know, every summer there's a comic book movie. Uh, you know, more and more people are reading trade paperbacks, at least, of comics. San Diego um, Comic-Con's covered. Well, yeah, a little bit. Um Every news outlet covers it, I think. Yeah, every you know, you know, MTV has a thing on their website. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you go to Walmart, you go to Target. There are T-shirts everywhere, not just when movies come out, but all the time. Yeah. So, the the bigger question I have here is, do we really want that? And by I say that, okay, imagine all the arguments we have online with people who read the books and. You know, maybe they're new to the books, maybe they've been reading for years, whatever. Okay, now let's add in a bunch of voices that have no idea what they're talking about. <laughs> That's not an argument that I want to be a part of. So, yeah. and, and there is a little bit, and, and I know this goes against everything that a lot of people want from, you know, you know, you know, because a lot of comic fans seem to want the acceptance of the real world. But do we? Do we really want the real world invading our little thing? I mean, it, it hasn't. It's been a, like a little geek-centric culture for so long. Do we really want the straights to come in and start wrecking the place? So, 
JR, in your article about Venom, you mentioned that you didn't like Spider-Man was scared of him. My question, isn't it okay for a hero to be scared as long as he eventually overcomes that challenge, which he always did in the Michelinie issues? The breakdown in 315 was due to a number of stressful factors, and he only ran away in 344 to lead Venom into a trap. What's the problem with the hero being terrified of the villain? It could lead to some great story opportunities. I, nothing is really wrong with the hero being terrified of the villain. In some cases, uh, the point I was making, and I didn't have a chance to go back and read the, the essay in question, but the point I was making was that every time Venom appeared, Spider-Man just was at his he was cutting and running, or or in, or just acting very unheroic. Uh, and I think you know it came to a head like in Lethal Protector, where and is acting like a whiny little bitch all the time, you know. And and Venom, you know, Venom gets exasperated with him, and just like the reader does. I mean, the reader gets as exasperated with Spider-Man as Venom does. You know, individually, you could story and say, yeah, in the context of that story action makes sense, but cumulatively, I just felt every time Venom appeared, as hey, I had with the Venom character, Jr. You're breaking up. A, you're breaking up a lot. Can I? Let me reconnect. Yeah, you guys are. Bre- you guys are breaking up on your end. Okay. Uh, let me just reconnect uh, you real quick. I'll call you one more time. One second. What's that? Let me let me hang up and call you right back and see if we got a better right. connection for you. One second. Did you, was yeah, he, Jr. was the only one I heard breaking up. Yeah, I, I didn't hear any else breaking up. So let me get him back in there. <clears throat> Alright. Better? Okay, yeah. You, you aren't breaking up at all. You, you wanna just so hit far? that, hit that one again? There was a lot of pauses in your, your answer to okay. his question. Go ahead. Um, yeah, the point I was making in a particular essay was that, you know, while it is okay for the, the hero to be afraid, sometimes he should be the villain. Fear sometimes is the better part. But it seemed that every time Man fought Venom, he was either acting afraid or, you know, cutting and running or even like in Leith Protector, he being annoying. He was like, he was being a little bit. And the reader, Spider-Man as Venom does. Uh, in a story, you know, but you know, once it happens so many different times, and the hero acts very unheroic, it just gets very tiring. So that's kind of what the point I was making was yeah. uh, that every time Venom appeared, Spider-Man just didn't as a hero. Yeah, Jr. You're, do you have anything else draining your internet right now? No. Okay. No, no, I don't. I mean, this this is a problem we seem to have all the time, though. I mean, near the as the the longer the podcast seems to go on, the yeah. more we seem to have techno glitches. That's weird. Should I connect you all again? You think, or do you think it's just Jr's connection? I don't know. It could what, be just me. What do you guys? Well, think? I'm hearing everyone fine, but that's just me. Okay. Jr, are you running cable? Or are you running? Or are you running DSL? Cable. Hmm. Oh. Are you running on wireless? No. Got a hardwire in the Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, I do have a router. Yes, I do. Okay. Yeah, I'm, in fact, I'm running my computer off a, of a wireless router card because my uh, my um, motherboard, uh, the connection in my motherboard failed. And off okay. a, uh, um, maybe if he gets closer to his router, maybe the signal will be stronger. Or uh, do, you, do you ever reboot your router, JR? Uh, yeah, everyone's. It may, that may be just what you need to do is just do... 
unplug it for 10 seconds and replug it back in. Okay. Should we try that? It's up to JR. I, 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 I would say go, I mean. Go ahead. Okay. I would say go on. I mean, just go on. I mean, it's, okay. we've been at this for a long time. Let's just keep going. Okay. Yeah. Zach, uh, your hopes for the Jackal's portrayal in Spider Island? Well, uh, my hopes are that, uh, he'll be portrayed correctly, but, uh, yeah. um, I, I'm, I'm really thinking the way, knowing Dan Slot being pretentious and coming up with a wild cockamamie theory, I think he's going to probably be closer to the 70s Jackal than the 90s Jackal. So if you're, mm. particularly with the timing of what they're releasing right before they're releasing the, uh, the, uh, Original Clone Saga trade paperback right before the uh, the event occurs. Um, wouldn't surprise me if we see the '70s Jackal being in there. And I also, you know, they're they're throwing the carrion stuff in there as well, which is kind of surprising. So maybe we'll see some carrion in there. Okay. Uh, Brad, since you read basically every Marvel comic out there, if you had to average the quality of all the books. And give Marvel one grade since the new year. What grade would you give them? Well, um, I guess a B minus. Uh, new Avengers is okay. The regular Avengers is rough. I was very disappointed with the latest issue of Avengers, where every single it was four bucks, three ninety nine. Every issue was a a splash page. Um. With the the Hulk and Namor and I think Thor going after the Hood, getting the Infinity Gauntlet, I was just really and th- then you have the prose in the back of that book. I, Avengers is really did, and I love John John Romita Jr. too. But I, well, and I couldn't I had to stop reading it, Brad. It, I mean, it's I, it's rough. Yeah, that that's really been a disappointment for me. Uh, X Men. Uh, I read X Factor this month. It's really good. Uh, it's got Spider Man in it. That, I meant to say that in my recommendations. Um, Uncanny's okay. I can't read X Men Legacy that well. But I guess a B minus is fine. I think Amazing Spider Man's been okay this year. So, Brad, I'm gonna to yeah. further comment on Avengers. You know what I think it is. Part of it is Bendis is stretched. Well, Bendis is for stretch, obviously, but mm-hmm. you also have, with Ramita Jr.'s artwork, it seems very sketchy to me. Mm-hmm. The and inker? The inker. Yeah. Uh, I think he's not he, – see, he did the uh, he did the Lost Years miniseries and has worked with Ramita Jr. before, and it was very heavy ink yeah. uh, when he was doing the ink, ink work on it. I think he's doing a very light, light inking job, so that's why it looks a lot rougher than usual. Um, if he went with a little bit thicker, thicker line work, I think it would probably look a lot better. Yeah. All right. Iron Patriot from uh, the Philippines, but he's currently in China. Hi, guys. Sorry for the large amount of questions. I have a whole Word document filled with them. Good Lord. To the gang, which Spider-Man sporting character would you date? Mary Jane. Anybody else? Stella, you're going after Peter Parker, right? Of course. There you go. Jr. I'd uh, I'd kind of like to go go out with Gene DeWolf. No nonsense, Law and Order girl. <laughs> Bailey, Black Cat. Uh, no, actually, I was I was thinking Betty Brant because I wanna oh, no. I wanna know what it's like to date a psycho again. <laughs> so uh, since I only since I had such a limited experience in that with just just one girl, I, I'd really like to to know what it's what, what it's like. So well, uh, if you date Betty Brant, you turn into goo. That's what happened to Ben Riley. 
That's the real reason why. Zach, or, you... I guess, or it turns out I'm the Hobgoblin. <laughs> <laughs> Zach, are you going out with Jessica Carradine? Uh, yeah, probably. Or, or Martine. No, not Martine. That's Kevin. Uh, <laughs> what's what's uh, the redhead from Lost? Janine. Yeah, you going out with Janine? <laughs> yeah, I'd probably take the redhead over the over okay. the black haired. Kev, who do you like? You want to milk well, bath? I have, a, I have a weakness for redheads, but not for former murderers. So I'm going with Mary Jane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was justified. Nice, Zach. What will you it do? Was. What will you do with a pet dinosaur if I give you one? Just kidding. Oh, what? God. Really, we went through this again. Where what, his like, real question is, what non-Marvel books do you read? Um, I don't read anything but Amazing Spider-Man right now. I have cut back on my – I mean I picked up FF number one just to check it out. It was good. It was good, uh, but I, I have not – I've cut back significantly on my on – my, on all my comic reading. To anyone who wants it, who would be the most terrifying member of the Crawl Space podcast panel if they turned evil? Regular members of the panel, if George is included, the multiverse will be his bitch. Uh, um, I think JR could uh, Norman Osborn somebody. <laughs> Me, I'm a sweetheart. <laughs> <laughs> so we have a vote for JR, one for Stella. Anybody else? Uh, I'm voting Kevin. Oh yeah, Kevin will get you. Say, I am the one that recently staged a hostile takeover of the crawl space. Oh yeah, but then you were I, like the next day, but it's then okay. I smacked you down, son. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Michael, which artists and writers would you like to see do more Superman? I would love to see Mark Millar because of his work on Superman Adventures and Red Sun and John Romita Senior based on my Avatar. Wow, um, that is a John Romita Senior uh, Superman. I guess it is. Nice. Uh, I would, in, in all honesty, I'd like to see Darwin Cook get an, get an, get another shot, both writing and, and drawing the character. Kryptonite, the six-issue story he did with Tim Sale, was kind of eh, but I really liked his Superman in DC New Frontier, so I would like to see more of that Superman or a Golden Age story. Uh, you know, th- there's a lot of artists that, that, that had such a short run with the character that I would like to see come back. Mike McCone who has done a lot of Spider-Man over the last couple of years, uh, drew the first three issues of Jeff Loeb's run on Superman, and they, it was fantastic. It looked awesome. Um, I would also like to see Michael Lark do a couple of Golden Age-era Superman stories, because one of his early books was an Elseworlds story called Superman War of the Worlds, written by... Roy Thomas that mashed up War of the Worlds and Superman, and it was it was actually a nice. really cool story. So. J- Jr. In your opinion, who's your favorite Green Goblin artist? For me, it's a tie between Ron Friends and Romita Senior. Um, actually, I'm kind of fond of uh, Mike Diodato's Goblin. I mean, mm, I like yeah. I like I like I mean I like Tommy Lee Jones Norman, and uh, when Norman suited up as the Goblin and re- re- wrecked all kinds of havoc there in Thunderbolts Mountain, I mean he looked suitably creepy. So uh, Diodato would get my vote at present. Kevin, okay, I'll name five writers. You say if you're a fan of them or not, and give the reason why. I call this the Five Writers of Doom. Mark Millar. Uh, used to like him, don't so much anymore, he's, because of his shock jock thing he does. Grant Morrison? Uh, no. <laughs> Warren Ellis? Uh, he's hit and miss for me, he's done some stuff I really hate, but he's done a lot of stuff I really like, so I think he's a good writer, but his, our ideologies don't necessarily match up. Judd Winnick? Love me some Judd Winnick, especially when he's writing a solo book, like, uh, his, 
his Dick Grayson Batman, I think, has still been the best so far. His Exiles was good back in the day, too. I like that. Uh, Zach Joyner. <laughs> who doesn't love him some Zach Joyner? Come on. I was going to say, who that guy? Yeah. Oh, that, guy, that guy's a hack. <laughs> Stella, who writes the best Barbara Gordon as Batgirl and as Oracle? Um, I would say on both counts, Chuck Dixon. I liked his Punisher stuff back in the day. Uh, BD, who has the f- coolest facial hair? Doctor Strange, J. Jonah Jameson, Sam Kirby, or Michael Bailey? Uh, Doc Strange, in my opinion. <laughs> Doctor Love. I don't know why. Uh, impression, Michael Dushag. Uh, Mike, you're wrong. <laughs> Brad, <laughs> Brad, do Spidey in bed with the black cat? There we go. Okay. I don't like nothing. Uh, dude, I, I was I was really hoping that you weren't gonna like do some dialogue and stuff like, like that. Like, so I was necessarily disturbed. Like thwip. Like okay. And we'll stop the show right about there. We have another hour of your message board questions to answer. But before we go, I want to give another shout out to our sponsor, MailOrderComics.com. They're still accepting April orders, and an example of their great prices is on the Osborne miniseries trade paperback. This one collects issues number one to five, recounting our friend Norman's time in jail. The cover price, $16.99. Mail order has it for just $10.53, which is 38% off the cover price. So check them out at mailordercomics.com. Thanks so much for listening, gang. For the SpiderManCrawlspace.com, I'm your host and webmaster, Brad Douglas.